Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley, a beloved teacher of the Course, who has helped thousands learn how to express their beliefs from moment to moment in their everyday lives. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. So happy to be with you. It's a fine spring day in New Jersey where I am, and I am so, so delighted and joyful to be alive in this human experience and joining with you in this particular moment. I feel so deeply grateful, grateful, grateful that love is all that there is, so grateful to say yes to infinite intelligence, yes. Well, I'm Jennifer Hadley, and I love to pray, and so we begin each episode here coming to you live with some prayer. So let's take that breath of love and gratitude. I like to place my hand on my heart, remind myself I'm wholeheartedly available to love and be loved. So grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the wisdom, the insight, the refreshment of the higher Holy Spirit self. So grateful and thankful to let go of all worry, doubt, fear, shame, blame, regret, resentment, hurt, guilt. We're letting it all dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause so we never experience it again. We are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to infinite intelligence leading us and guiding us to our awakening. We are grateful to cultivate the little willingness that allows us to free ourselves, to liberate from all sense of lack and limitation. We are truly grateful to open our hearts and minds to each other and to the love that we are. We are perfect already. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. In gratitude, we allow our healing to be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. So, so good. Mm, So grateful to join with you today. And uh, our topic this week is helpful learning. Helpful learning. I one of the things I do sometimes when figuring out what what is the episode about this week is I just um, flip through the course. I just just literally just say hold the book in my hand. Say Holy Spirit, you tell me, you decide for me. I open the book, see where my eyes go, and. Um, This week it was section five of chapter two. Section five of chapter two is, gosh, I love chapter two. Section five of chapter two in the text is entitled The Function of the Miracle Worker. The Function of the Miracle Worker. And, um, so our function is to love and be loved. Our function is to get out of the blocks to love which are our judgments and our opinions. So how do we do that? It's through forgiveness. What is forgiveness? It is the release of the meaning we've made of things. It's the release of our judgments and opinions. Yes. And so one of the things that this whole section tells us is that the body is a communication device. It's And what's the communication for? It's really about learning. So it says in... Uh, Paragraph 1 of this section, the body does not exist except as a learning device for the mind. This learning device is not subject to errors of its own because it cannot create. It is obvious then that inducing the mind to give up its miscreations is the only application of creative ability that is truly meaningful. So, in other words, uh, the healing is at the level of the mind. That's where we do our healing. And that's even how we heal our body. I, I did a class, a free class one time called Healing. Was it a free class? Might have, I, I don't remember now. <laughs> I think it was a free class. It was called 
or maybe it was a Living a Course in Miracles bonus class. At any rate, it was called Healing the Mind About the Body. And uh, I just loved doing that class and preparing for it. So, going back to the beginning of this section, it starts with before miracle workers are ready to undertake the function, their function in this world, it is essential that they fully understand the fear of release. So there's a fear of releasing all of our attachments. Who will we be if we give up the false identity that we have created, right? And here's one of the things that we become identified with the body. We become identified with our role in our family. We become identified with our role at work. We become identified by the color of our skin, our gender, our sexuality, our our place of living in the world, all these things become part of our identification. One of the things I notice about myself and my life and uh, many other spiritual teachers who are good friends of mine is they're on the road a lot, right? I think of David Hoffmeister. Gosh, he's been tirelessly on the road for 30 years. Gary Renard, he's been on the road for years. Uh, John Mundy, he, he and I... We, we now we live an hour apart from each other trying to find a time when John Mundy and Jennifer Hadley can just get together and have lunch or dinner or something forget it it's crazy our our travel schedules and this and that <laughs> and um it's uh we're out on the road a lot and you could say, say, well, it's so that we can connect with other people and we can share. But I connect with far more people uh, via the Internet than I could ever connect with in person. And I love to connect in person, of course. But I really think the reason for the travel is to help us let go of all attachments and to see uh, beyond the illusion. Because that's that's how we get to see beyond the illusion is we stop focusing on the meaning we've made of everything. So that's what releasing the attachments truly is. So it says here that we we have to fully understand the fear of release. Otherwise, they may unwittingly foster the belief that release is imprisonment. A belief that is already very prevalent. This misperception arises in turn from the belief that harm can be limited to the body. That is because of the underlying fear that the mind can hurt itself. None of these errors is meaningful because the miscreations of the mind do not really exist. This is uh, something that many people find challenging to understand, that the miscreations of the mind do not really exist, that this world, in fact, does not really exist. So the miscreations of the mind are the hurtful things that we say to ourselves and to each other. Uh, they are the things that we create in this world, and it could be, uh, or A Course in Miracles actually would say, um, that we make them, the things that we make in this world, the things that we bring into form, whether that form is a thought, whether that form is a belief, whether that form is a conversation that we had, whether it's a manifestation in our mental body, emotional body, or physical body, or in our experience, in our relationships, in our finances. The miscreations of the mind do not really exist. This recognition is a far better protective device than any form of level confusion because it introduces correction at the level of the error. So people ask about me, ask me to talk about level confusion and things like that. So, um, there's the level confusion is, is, uh, I feel best understood this way. At least this is what the Holy Spirit is sending right now uh, for clarity. And that is that we do have a mental level, a physical level, emotional level, etheric level. These four 
levels in other mystical teachings they're called the four lower bodies these levels and so when there's um seeming uh, an issue in the body the way to heal it is to work at the level of the mind because that's where causation is at the level of the mind so it's very common for people to think well for instance my mother according to the doctors she died of lung cancer and according to the doctors perhaps it's because she was a smoker now she quit smoking 30 years before she got lung cancer I just don't believe any of it, and it doesn't really matter whether I believe any of it or not. Do people get um, cancer because of a something hereditary? Do they get cancer because of exposure to something? Well, you have to look at, well, did everyone who get exposed get it? Is causation at the level of form? It's life is so much more beautiful, powerful, joyful, and helpful if we can simply allow ourselves to be willing, the little willingness, to recognize that causation is not at the level of the form. And that's why it says here, this recognition is a far better protective device than any form of level confusion because it introduces correction at the level of the error. So if the error is at the level of the mind, correct it at the level of the mind. It's just like if you have a river that's flowing and downstream there's flooding that's happening. It's going over the riverbanks. And you're trying to contain it at that place. It's far better to have a dam upriver where you can control the flow of the river. All along the river. It's the same thing with working at the level of the mind. So I'm going to invite you right now to just relax. Take a deep breath. Maybe put your hand on your heart. Close your eyes and turn within. And we're attuning to the Holy Spirit. And we're willing to open our awareness to truly understand where we're trying to fix something at the level of form, to heal it at the level of form. Where is there something in our life that's really bothering us And we've fallen into managing and coping, maybe even settling at the level of form. And now we're deciding to work with the Holy Spirit. We're cultivating that little bit of willingness to have a healing at the level of the mind. And the good news is we do not have to figure out how to have a healing. Our willingness is all that's required. There's actually nothing more for us to do. We don't have to figure it out. We actually cannot figure it out. And so we're surrendering the idea that we must figure it out, that we can figure it out. Instead, we're allowing ourselves to trust our own ability to hear the higher Holy Spirit self, to hear the voice of Spirit, to recognize it. So taking a breath of love and gratitude, we're grateful that we can surrender trying to figure it out or even needing for things to be different. And we're moving into that place of great allowance. Great allowance. Taking a breath of love and gratitude We're allowing the Holy Spirit to do the correction at the level of the mind. So, 
if we're not at peace, it's because we must have decided wrongly. So now we're deciding to work with the Holy Spirit, to not go it alone, to not try to fix it, to not think that anything is broken, but instead to recognize everything works together for our good now and forever. And the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of our wrong decision if we allow it, if we let him. So, giving it to the Holy Spirit, placing it on the altar for healing. And then, here's where our work is. Our work is to not take it off the altar. And the thing that's worked so well for me is I've learned that there there will often be a temptation to take it off the altar. That, oh, the Holy Spirit isn't fixing it the way I would like it to be fixed. And so I the temptation is to take it off the altar and start managing it myself again. Trying to work my will in the world of form without being divinely guided and directed. So this is one of our biggest challenges, is to move from thinking we know and then feeling like we don't understand why things are the way we are. And we're trying to figure out why things are the way we are, they are so that we can correct them. If we know why things are what, the way they are, then we can correct them. And we're doing all of this thinking Managing, manipulating, coping, coping strategies without the Holy Spirit guiding us, directing us. And so we just keep swirling around in the same lessons over and over and over again. Helpful learning is to recognize that if we are willing, we will be guided. If we feel like we're not getting guidance, focus on the willingness. It says here, so we're focusing on correction at the level of the error, which is at the level of the mind. And it says, it is essential to remember that only the mind can create. And that correction belongs at the thought level. To amplify an earlier statement, spirit is already perfect and therefore does not require correction. The body does not exist except as a learning device for the mind. This learning device is not subject to errors of its own. In other words, the body doesn't make the body sick. The body doesn't make the body sick. Things that happen to the body are not what makes it sick or even healthy. It's all about working at the level of the mind. So if you think of someone who has um, gained a tremendous amount of weight, uh, is not in good physical shape, not strong, they're muscular, their, their muscles aren't strong, their skeleton's not strong, their blood flow's not strong, that they have been um, thinking negatively about themselves and as a result uh, seeming to damage their body or mistreat their body. The fastest path of healing and transformation is to begin at the level of the mind. And this, we can have so much helpful learning through working this way, where we, we just start to practice. I am willing to love myself, my body, and to be grateful for everything. I am willing to love myself, my body, and be grateful for everything. This is all helpful learning to me. Now, I'm willing to love myself. Now, I'm willing to value myself. Now, I am willing to be healthy and harmonious and to be truly helpful. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting.
And so we can, throughout our day, start to pause and say, hmm, what's the best thing for me to have to drink now? I feel thirsty. What is the thing that's going to be most helpful to me, the most nourishing to me? And then we'll see, oh, maybe the ego has a certain idea that I need to finish that drink before it expires. I need to have that um, almond milk before it expires, or I need to uh, make a smoothie because that's the healthiest thing. But maybe the thing right now is to have something else. To have some brown rice or to have some vegetables. Well, I feel like uh, I, I'd like to have something sweet. So just to really notice what's really going on. If we think the craving is in the body, then there's a lot of healthy, helpful learning to come because all cravings are at the level of the mind. So cravings for sugar, cravings for salt, cravings for sex, cravings for um, cigarettes, cravings for drugs, it's all at the level of the mind. And doctors won't tell you that. Scientists won't tell you that. They'll say, oh, no, it's at the level of the body. In A Course of Miracles teachings, we're working with a different thought system. We're working with God's thought system. And practicing, trusting that, not putting the ego in charge of our spiritual practice, but willing to serve our function as a miracle worker to really experience helpful learning. And so in uh, in this section, if we go to paragraph 7, so we're in the section, The Function of the Miracle Worker, section 5 of chapter 2, it says, Corrective learning always begins with the awakening of spirit and the turning away from the belief in physical sight. This often entails fear, because you're afraid of what your spiritual sight will show you. So if you feel afraid of trusting the higher Holy Spirit self, if you feel afraid uh, regarding your ability to hear and recognize the still small voice, that's normal. And we think it's because we won't hear it correctly and we'll um, follow the ego or that we are not capable, that we're not good enough, that we're there's something wrong with us. All of these things are going to come up for healing because they must. And the ego will convince us that we are uh, afraid because of um, that we're going to screw it up, that it won't work, that we will get worse, that our life will fall apart, that we will fail, that we don't have what it takes. All of these fears are coming up for healing. But this is what it's saying to us here. You are afraid of what your spiritual sight will show you. You are afraid of what your spiritual sight will show you. It's gonna, you know what is our spiritual sight is gonna show us that we're afraid of? That we are perfect. And that all the stories with all the details of why we're not good enough, why something's wrong with us, why we've been betrayed and how we've been betrayed and the meaning that we've made of it. All these elaborate stories that we have made up, that we tell ourselves, that we've become identified with, we're going to have to let them go. And we don't want to let them go because we made them. We put so much energy into them. It goes on to say, I said before that the Holy Spirit cannot see error and is capable only of looking beyond it to the defense of atonement. There is no doubt 
that this may produce discomfort. Yet the discomfort is not the final outcome of the perception. When the Holy Spirit is permitted to look upon the defilement of the altar, he also looks immediately towards the atonement. Nothing he perceives can induce fear. Everything that results from spiritual awareness is merely channelized towards correction. Discomfort is aroused only to bring the need for correction into awareness. So this is one of the most helpful things for us to understand. It's what I call the divine alarm clock. So when there's discomfort, it's so helpful for us to remember this statement here. Discomfort is aroused only to bring the need for correction into awareness. So the upset that we're feeling, whether we're irritated or frustrated or feeling sad or feeling a craving, feeling an aversion, feeling angry or hurt, there is something to correct in our thinking. If we start managing things at the level of form, then what we're doing is we're saying, oh no, I'm upset because of what's happening. I'm upset because of what you said. I'm upset because of what you did. Rather than recognizing, I'm upset because of my interpretation of it. I'm upset because of the meaning that I've attributed to it. I'm upset because I have an attachment to how I think it should be or how it shouldn't be. I have an attachment a wanting, a craving, a needing, and that's why I'm upset. The greater the attachment, the more intense the upset can get triggered. Or perhaps the more we've buried it like a landmine that we don't wish to access or look at. Right? Some things we have such a strong identification with. It could be The I'm bad, I'm wrong, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, it'll never work for me. Buried so far down that we just don't even try anymore. We don't even think about it. We just affirm, it doesn't work for me, 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 it doesn't work for me. Because our belief that we can't do it, that we don't know how, that we don't have what it takes, that we're a loser, is buried so deeply down that we cannot bear to look at it. Or we've buried it so deeply down because we cannot bear to look at it. But here's the thing. If, just imagine this, that you, uh, that somebody said to you, Oh, your, your face is green. Your skin is turned green. It's scaly like a reptile. What's happening to you? You think of metamorphosis, right? Um, he wakes up and he's a cockroach, right? <laughs> you could think of something like that. You see, you, you know, somebody says to you, Oh, your face is green and scaly. What's happening to you? Well, you could. Just bury that thought deep down. Oh, I can't, I can't look at that. But wouldn't somebody who loves themselves and cares for themselves go look in the mirror and go, that's, that's not true at all. Why are you saying that to me? That's not even true. You see, but we're the ones who are saying that there's something wrong with us. We're the ones. And we won't go and look and see if it's true or not. Because we believe it. And then what we do is we create this whole persona around it. Right? Haven't we all seen that in our own experience? Sometimes it's more obvious in someone else. Someone else has had an injury or their, their body parts are deformed in some way, right? And the meaning that they make of it is this or that. 
and they think it's so true that they can't entertain that it's not true. Because they've built so much around it. You know, you know, I can't have true love because my arm is deformed. Nobody's going to love me. Right? It's a very common thing that people make these assumptions. And they get so attached to them. Whenever there's upset and fear, there's a great attachment. And the good news is, we we can release the attachment. And the more upset we feel in the moment, the closer we are to a breakthrough if we just give the heavy lifting to the Holy Spirit. That's helpful learning. Helpful learning is to realize just how profoundly the Holy Spirit can undo all the consequences of a wrong decision. And I have a lot more to share about that. We're going to go into a break here. And um, gosh, I, I'm i very excited to say that today we're launching the next Living a Course in Miracles classes. Yes, we are. So you can sign up for that at livingacourseofmiracles.com. And uh, we're going to start with the first class, Monday, May 15th. All of these classes are free. The transcripts are free. The downloads are free. We've got, in, in addition to myself, we've got Gary Renard and Lisa Natoli, John Mundy, and Miranda McPherson. Such a wonderful crew here offering these classes. We're cultivating spiritual sight. So we're cultivating our intuition, our ability to see correctly. We've got 11 free classes for you. And that's at livingacourseofmiracles.com. So it's time for me to take a break. I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles. We're on Unity Online Radio where we're living the love. We're walking the talk, and we'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application as we return to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Hey, 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 we're back. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and we're talking about helpful learning. You know, we can learn so quickly when we're willing. But you see, when we have already decided we know what everything is about, the learning just slows right down. Because the Holy Spirit's not our teacher anymore, right? We're really learning a lot through the ego. And, uh, so painful. Golly gee. Um, I, I would like to mention something before I forget it, because I often will find that the show's over and then I go, oh, I forgot to say this or that. And even though I make notes, it still doesn't matter. It's, I just get caught up in the energy of it. Um, but one of the things is we are, I'm told, we're going to launch these text messages finally tomorrow. I know a bunch of people have signed up for them already. You aren't really receiving them. But if you would like to sign up for the text messages, you can do it this way. You text the word MIRACLES to 35227. Text the word MIRACLES to 35227. And then you can sign up for whichever text messages you would like. So we're doing uh, reminders for the Living a Course in Miracles classes that start next week, so you can sign up for those. We're also doing um, inspirational text messages, so A Course in Miracles text messages, and also um, we're doing the um, uh, Jennifer Hadley text messages and... Uh, things like that. So inspiration for you to support you and staying on track. Uh, so, all right, I got, got those announcements done. <laughs> and so we're back to our section here, the uh, function of the miracle worker, 
chapter 2, section 5. And this is also the section where the special principles of the miracle workers are. Uh, it says here, following up on uh, this paragraph 7, where it talks about corrective learning always begins with the awakening spirit and the turning away from the belief in physical sight. So it's about our willingness to recognize that we see with our mind, we hear with our mind. Everything really is with our mind. We don't see with the body's eyes, we see with our mind. And all that's required is our willingness to recognize this. We don't have to figure it out. The Holy Spirit will show it to us. Now it says here, the fear, this is paragraph 8, the fear of healing arises in the end from an unwillingness to accept unequivocally that healing is necessary. So one of the ways to have helpful learning is to recognize that healing is necessary. So for me, as part of my journey, in every class that I offer, and I teach quite a few classes, I've got my year-long Masterful Living course, and we've got year one, year two, year three, and year four, uh, which is called Ascension Pathway. I've got four sections. Uh, so that's a lot of, of sharing teaching these weekly classes and all the other things I do, my sacred circle, my finding freedom, spiritual boot camp class, all these things that I'm offering, I am always saying every single day somewhere I'm saying I'm still learning. I'm still learning. Learning is necessary. And what is learning? Learning is healing. Healing is learning. And it's necessary. So I don't pretend that I've got it all figured out. I don't pretend that I know more than I'm aware of. So my awareness is expanding and increasing all the time. And what I experience in my ever-expanding awareness is that more and more I see the causation of things. I see, oh, it's that thought that's disturbing me. I could say what's What's happening here is I'm upset because of the traffic. No, I'm upset because of the meaning that I make of the traffic. I could say that I'm upset because I'm going to be late or I'm upset because I might have um, an illness, a diagnosis or a prognosis. But is that why I'm upset or am I upset because of the meaning I make of that? That something is bad, something is wrong, something is out of alignment, something isn't good. A lot of times we just don't know why things are the way they are, but we don't need to know. Why do we need to know? Why does the ego need to know? Because then it can pronounce judgments. Then it can find where its identity is in relationship to what's going on. We're moving out of that. So really, truly helpful learning is the willingness to see that causation is not in the world. Right now, a lot of people are deeply upset about what's happening in the political situation. and But that's not why they're upset. They're upset because of the meaning they make of it, the interpretation that they make of it. And there's the thought that the way things are, are bad or wrong, it should be different, it's not good. But if we can't see through all directions of time and space, how do we know? How do we know? So the fear of healing arises in the end from an unwillingness to accept unequivocally that healing is necessary. What the physical eye sees is not corrective, nor can error be corrected by any device that can be seen physically. As long as you believe in what your physical sight tells you, your attempts at correction will be misdirected. The real vision is obscured because you cannot endure 
to see your own defiled altar. But since the altar has been defiled, your state became doubly dangerous unless it is perceived. So we have to recognize that we have defiled the altar, right? The altar is, in in essence, our heart. So we're holding grievances in our heart. Love holds no grievances. Teach only love for that is what you are. So... Our true nature, love, can't actually hold a grievance. It's just the appearance that's happening with the personality. We can actually have tremendous helpful learning by simply being willing to say with the Holy Spirit, all that I perceive is false and I'm willing to disconnect from it. Holy Spirit, I'm willing to let you guide me so I see what's real and only what's real rather than all my interpretations and the story I made up of it. So one of the most helpful learnings is that we can disconnect from our story, from our interpretations, from the meaning we made of things, no matter how entrenched we are, no matter if we're seemingly on our deathbed. And this is exactly what, for instance, Anita Marjani's life is for. That's what it's about. Telling us she was a death's door, as they say, seemingly minutes from her, she she died. Didn't she, her physical body died? I, I read that book a few years ago. I've forgotten right now. But she was, she was gone. She had a near-death experience. But her body, no matter how ravaged it was, and it was ravaged, it was really crippled and broken and beaten and just tremendous sickness. She bounced back so quickly. Because she had a healing at the level of the mind. How did she have that healing? Her willingness. Her willingness. You see, this is the thing. When we think we have to make it happen, then we're not really learning. The simplest, most helpful learning is, I don't have to make anything happen. I allow. I don't have to figure out how. I allow. I am willing to have a healing. But if we are so attached to this idea that we're not good enough, that we're bad, that something is wrong with us, will we allow ourselves to be completely renewed and made whole? Right? This is why the question is asked, Wilt thou be made whole? Wilt thou be made whole? Or wilt thou cling to the interpretation, the meaning we've made of things. So it says here, paragraph 9, healing is an ability that developed after the separation, before which it was unnecessary. Like all aspects of the belief in space and time, it is temporary. So healing is temporary, meaning it's it's, it's a temporary solution to a temporary problem. However, as long as time persists, Healing is needed as a means of protection. This is because healing rests on charity. And charity is a way of perceiving the perfection of another, even if you cannot perceive it in yourself. So here is where our helpful learning is our ability to recognize that our brothers and sisters are helping us by giving us a reason, a focus of where we're going to open our mind to be charitable in our mind. So, for instance, in my Masterful Living course class yesterday, I was, we were talking about really being receptive to other people's love and support and to feeling that we're understood. For me, for my personality, it used to be something I really, really needed was I needed people to understand me. I needed to feel that people understood me. I needed to understand or feel that people really could get me, 
and see what I was going through, feel what I was going through. I needed that empathy because I'm an extremely empathetic person, very empathic person. I needed to know that people could get me and understand me and relate to me. I needed to know that they cared enough to do that. I don't feel that way anymore. But it was so much a needing, wanting, craving for me for a very long time. And so one of the ways that I healed my mind in this regard, working with the Holy Spirit, was to cultivate the ability to see that everyone around me was already beautiful. Everyone around me was already perfect. Everyone around me was already whole. And that nothing was wrong with them. So I really focused my mind to drop thinking that people are wrong and bad, there's something wrong with them, they should be different. All of that, to let all of that fall away became my goal. And so as I began to have way more compassion and understanding for other people and I stopped judging them and attacking them and thinking they should be different, lo and behold, I began to learn that I was whole and perfect. I was lovable. I was beautiful. So this is what A Course in Miracles tells us when it tells us that our brothers and sisters are our saviors. So right here it's telling us as long as time persists, healing is needed as a means of protection. This has become because healing rests on charity, and charity is a way of perceiving the perfection of another, even if you cannot perceive it in yourself. Most of the loftier concepts of which you are capable now are time-dependent. Charity is really a weaker reflection of a much more powerful love encompassment that is far beyond any form of charity that you can conceive of as yet. Charity is essential to right-mindedness in the limited sense in which it can now be attained. Charity is a way of looking at another as if he had already gone far beyond his actual accomplishments in time. So our ability to look at our brothers and sisters and affirm that they're already perfect supports us in recognizing that that truth in ourselves. So it's great and Glorious, helpful learning to learn how to cultivate the spiritual sight to see things correctly. And this is why this upcoming Living a Course in Miracles class series of 11 free classes that starts on May 15th is about cultivating spiritual sight. It's about seeing beyond appearances, seeing what's real, dropping the story, really healing our mind. So it's about releasing the pain patterns of the past and expanding into love. So we're going to go really deep in this series. That's why it's this group of teachers. These are the the deep, deep ones. And they know they've been doing this work for years. And they have truly transformed their lives and their relationships, even healing their body temple. Because uh, John Mundy, was, he was at death's door. Uh, Lisa Natoli's gone through incredible physical transformation. Uh, I'm not sure about Miranda. I'm trying to remember if she ever told me about that. Gary, certainly. We've seen he's healed the scoliosis. Forgiveness is the way. I invite you to s- register for the Living a Course in Miracles series at livingacourseofmiracles.com. If you're on our email list, you'll be getting an email. You can click the link there to register. And remember, too, to sign up for our free text messages. You can text the word MIRACLES to the number 35227, 35227. 
text the word miracles and then you'll be able to um, sign up for whichever text messages you would like. And we also, um, I, I would like to remind you as we're just about to close out here that in June, uh, June 19th to the 26th is my week-long spiritual counseling training intensive. And uh, we have all kinds of people come and take the spiritual counseling training intensive because it's really about self-healing. Uh, everyone who takes it has tremendous breakthroughs in their own healing, inner healing, uh, their emotional healing, their mental healing, and I've even witnessed physical healing. So uh, there's that, and uh, we have all kinds of people take it. So we have people who are therapists, trained therapists, psychologists. We've had people who are family therapists and social workers, life coaches. We've had people who are uh, businessmen, uh, family, uh, mothers, grandmothers, fathers, uh, and everybody's taking it for their own reasons. Some people are doing it for the... The, um, uh, educational units, they need the CEUs or the licensing units for their licenses as professionals. Some people are doing it because they're interested in becoming a professional spiritual counselor and they're going to go for certification. I have a certification program. So this uh, training in June, all the details are at jenniferhadley.com. I welcome you. We've got a great group already signed up and uh, we are going to have an amazing time. Yeah, so these classes are all, uh, these classes, the text messages, everything that we're offering pretty much at Living A Course of Miracles, the Course of Miracles app, which is free at acimapp.com. Uh, we've got all kinds of things. We've got the payment plans for all kinds of things, for the paid things and so many free things. All of it is really made possible by the people who contribute, whether it's uh, literally one, two, or three dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, a thousand dollars. Everyone who contributes, you are making all of these free things possible. And I thank you for that. That's how we're offering these Living a Course in Miracles classes to thousands of people all over the world because of your donations. We don't have to charge for the recordings anymore. We can give them away because of your donations. So you're paying it forward, and people all over the world are discovering A Course in Miracles because of you. So thank you for that. Let's take that breath of love and gratitude. So grateful and thankful that love is all that there is. Love is all that we are. And we can have helpful learning. We can give up the habit of learning through pain and we can discover the ease and the grace of learning through joy. Truly, we're sharing the benefits of our learning with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. We know it's done. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. I love you. Have an amazing rest of your week.